Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. So apart from the Biden scandals, we've still got an inflation problem and a Bidenomics problem. The Consumer Price Index came out this past week. All items top line up 3.2%. That's certainly better than 9 although last month it was 3.0. The core rate, ex-food and energy, 4.7%. And gasoline prices still going up, and so are grocery prices. Anyway, let's uh, talk to my great pal Michael Falkender, professor of finance at the University of Maryland, uh, chief economist of the uh, AFPI and former assistant secretary of the Treasury for Economic Policy. Michael Falkender, what did you make of the CPI? Has the progress now bottomed out and we're going to head a little higher, or is there still more downside? I would say that we're probably start to head higher after this because the CPI report is does not really include the rise in oil prices and the commensurate increase in gas prices that we're going to see coming because it occurred at the end of July. And so when you look at the Chinese government looking to reinvigorate their economy, when you look at the impact of the OPEC cuts, those were only at the end of July starting to push oil above $80 a barrel. And, Larry, as you recall, it was originally the – increase in oil prices that that then permeated the rest of, of the inflation because as we've mm. talked about for more than a year now, you know, it's not just the production of, of goods and services, it's also then their transportation. And all of that is going to be impacted by increasing prices of oil. And this comes back to the war on American energy that the Biden administration declared on its first day. And so we don't have the reserves and, and they're not going to be able to dip into the strategic petroleum reserve to try to offset that this time. Yeah, they've depleted the SPR. Uh, you're exactly right. Three dollars and eighty-five cents gasoline, AAA, like three eighty-five. That I think got as low as about three thirty-five a few months ago. That's going to show up in the top-line CPI, right? That is. That's right. It'll show up, but and it'll also indirectly show up in core because if you've got petroleum products that go into the manufacturing of non-energy goods, and then you've got the transportation of, of any kind of goods and services, that's going to raise prices for the production and distribution of those things, and it'll show up in, in core as well. Um, so it's, it's misleading when people think that uh, if you take out, if you just look at the core number, you've taken out energy. Well, no, energy still indirectly affects uh, the core number. I'm still looking at grocery prices up 3.6% year on year. Uh, seems to me that is still a problem. And overall, I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning of, uh, of the Biden administration, you know, the, the CPI has gone up 16%, groceries up 20%, energy up over 30%. I mean, I think people still feel that no matter what these year on year comparisons may show. That's right, because people never had their wages recover from the inflation that we had from the early part of the administration. And so simply because 12 months have elapsed doesn't mean that people aren't still having challenges in their budget 
arising from the price increases that occurred earlier on. And so even though they're starting to get lower numbers, as you just said, it's because the it's because a lot of the big increases were more than 12 months ago, so they're rolling off the 12-month number. But the price index still has not gone back down to where, you know, anywhere close, and it probably won't, uh, to where it was when the Biden administration took office. And so unless we get significant wage gains, Joe Biden's going to be going up for re-election, you know, running on Bidenomics that has led to some of the steepest losses in real wages in, in, in a long time. What happens to the rest of the economy? I see the, um, the ISM, Institute of Supply Managers Manufacturing, continues under 50%, Michael, I think the eighth straight month. And I think uh, the ISM for services showed some additional weakness and the housing market looks still soft. What's your overall view of the economy? So the consumer-driven part of the economy looks weak. So we're not seeing significant increases in retail sales. As you said, households are not making significant reductions in residential investment as a result of the 22-year high interest rates that we're facing. Instead, what we're seeing is a lot of the growth coming out of government spending. And we, we talked about that also, Larry, for the last two jobs reports in a row, the significant growth has been on the government side, whether it's government directly or it's things that government pay for, like health care and social services. That's what's been driving some of the recent growth. And so, again, what is Bidenomics for people? It is government-directed, top-down, massive deficit spending that's unsustainable. And that's why we're seeing very low productivity numbers under this administration. Um, and, and, of course, Biden admitted that this week, right? I mean, it, <laughs> and I, I, you got to it before I did. <laughs> I, well, I was wondering when we were going to get to it because the notion that Biden actually came out and said, no, the Inflation Reduction Act wasn't really about reducing inflation. <laughs> At a Democratic fundraiser, I'm going to give you the quote. I wish I hadn't called it that because it has less to do with inflation than it has to do with providing alternatives that generate economic growth. What's he talking about, alternatives that generate economic growth? Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. Well, that's what's funny is because when you and I talk about growth, we're talking about private sector investment and engaging in activities such that people want to work and be productive. He's, he's back to your favorite Keynesian types of models that say, well, if, we just spend, if the government spends a lot of the money, that's the source of economic growth. But, of course, if government spending is directed towards low productivity activities and it crowds out private sector actions, then, no, it, if anything – Stifles grows, uh, but but there but he and his friends at, at the CE you know at, at his council of economic advisors are full of Keynesians who think that government spending's got some massive multiplier on it that's going to generate growth, even though we know that that's not consistent with reality. You know that uh, misnamed uh, Inflation Reduction Act that the original estimates I don't know were about three hundred fifty billion, but that has been re-estimated because of these open-ended. Uh, subsidies for electric vehicles and whatnot. 
I mean, that thing could be seven, eight hundred billion dollars. I mean, so there's some serious government spending potential in that bill. But you're right. That's the way they look at the world. It's all about government. It's not about private investment. That's right. It's not the American people deciding what kind of cars they want to drive or what kind of stoves they want to use. It's Biden's bureaucrats saying, well, we don't like these. We don't like internal combustion engine cars. And so even though Congress said that the batteries have to come from the United States or from countries that have trade relations, free trade agreements with the United States, we're just going to rewrite the rules. We're going to ignore that part of it. And so his Treasury Department puts out a set of rules that, as you said, caused Goldman Sachs to say that that bill is going to come in hundreds of billions of dollars more mm. than they had originally forecasted because they're just going to ignore the sourcing requirements. So just so everybody understands, we're, we're going to borrow money from China to run massive deficits so that we can import cars from China and in the process displace American workers who are making the things that Americans actually want to buy. That is Biden on it. Yeah, that's great stuff. Actually, you know what? You reminded me. I think the Goldman estimate was $1.2 trillion, and I think the Penn Wharton estimate was something similar to that also. Uh, Mike Falconer, what's the Federal Reserve going to talk about? They're meeting in a couple of weeks at their famous Jackson Hole meeting. Do you, do you go to that, by the way? Do they invite you to that? I, I have not yet been invited to it. I look forward to the day when I'm part of that uh, invite list. You know, you know, another group who hasn't invited me, Larry, is, is the World Economic Forum at Davos. I'm not too high on their list either. So. I used to go to that Fed conference, and then – all of a sudden, I wasn't invited anymore. That was quite a few years ago. Um, what do you think Jay Powell's message is now with inflation at 3.2 and possibly headed higher? You know, I, I think he knows full well that his legacy is going to be whether or not he gets inflation back to 2% by the time his term is up. And so I think he's going to be singularly focused on that. He knows that the legacy of that the reputation of Fed chairman come down to their management of inflation. And given that he was at the helm claiming transitory inflation when we got the 40-year high inflation rates that we did, uh, I I think he's going to nearly be singularly focused on that and keep raising rates until he gets the recession-creating 2% inflation rate that he's demanding. All right, Michael Falkender, great rundown. Nobody does it better. We appreciate it very much. Folks, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Nicole Jolinas of the Manhattan Institute. This New York City migrant problem, illegal migrant problem, is just off the charts. It's a complete and utter disaster, and it doesn't look like there's any solution in sight. We're going to take a break. Nicole Jolinas up next. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. <laughs> 